You're listening to Reading Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm author and book devourer Mallory O'Mara. I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're finally talking about stressed out parent horror, much to Mallory's horror, interviewing (laughs) author and friend of the show, Clay McLeod Chapman, and giving advice on what to do when your book club hates your favorite book, the horror. But first, Bria, what are you reading? Well, Mallory, as you know, but people at home may not know, unless they follow me on Instagram, I'm in Japan right now. Yeah, you are. A trip I've been wanting to go on for a really long time, so it's very, very exciting for me. And I've been reading nonstop Japanese translated books. And this one... (laughs) I texted you that. I was like, wow, you are in your perfect place. Perfect. Perfectly. It's perfectly wonderful. And I've read a lot of them, but I'm going to talk about one I really enjoyed called Diary of a Void by Emi Yagi, translated by David Boyd. It is, it came out a few years back. Um, and just speaking about stressed out parents, it's about a woman who she works in a workplace that is like rampant with sexual harassment and like boys club mentality where it's like, she works there. She's an employee, but she's always the one who has to like clean up after the meetings like no one will go and and like clean up what you know the food that was left out or no one makes tea like every no one will make tea in the teapot like they'll just expect her to do it they expect her to do all the filing even though that's like not her job and she gets really frustrated and one day she's in the break room cleaning up where they smoke and she's like cleaning up after everyone and she's like you know what I can't be in here the smell of the smoke is making me sick because I'm pregnant and they're like oh we're so sorry. We'll, we'll we'll clean up. And so she begins this lie of that she is pregnant. And then she continues the lie because it starts to really work in her favor uh, where they start treating her differently at work, where she actually like is able to take some time off and like really like gets to take do some self-care where she takes these long baths and like goes and grocery shopping for herself for the first time. And she also was like, you know, I'd like to get off work a little bit earlier, you know, to take care of like prepping for the baby. And they're like, oh yeah, of course, of course. So she stops working late nights and she gets to go home at six and makes like nice dinners for herself. And then she's just caught in this lie. And then she starts going to these pregnancy workout classes. It's just like amazing. So she really embraces it. You know, again, like I just really love Japanese translated fiction. Uh, I like the writing style, but also it's just like almost horror, almost uh, weird fiction. It's very weird fiction. I think we would call it like in the States, but it's lovely. I really enjoyed this one. Uh, I can't say enough good things about it. And it's kind of about a stressed out parent, but a stressed out non-parent. Stressed out fake parent. (laughs) It's so good. It's so wonderful. And everyone suddenly starts doing all the things they're supposed to be doing the whole time. What are you reading, Mallory? Well, I'm reading a book about someone who's stressed out about about her parents. Okay. Uh, Counts. Sound the Alarm. Brand new Rachel Harrison book. We love Rachel so much. A new Rachel Harrison book is always an event. And Rachel Harrison just has her finger on the pulse of what is hot in horror. You know, she's done werewolves. She's done haunted houses. She's done witches. And this is Rachel Harrison's cult book. Oh, yeah. So, so excited. It's the main this. character is this woman. She's in her 20s and she does not have her life together she was a waitress at a terrible restaurant which she ends up getting fired from and you find out that the reason why her life is in such a mess is because she escaped from her family a number of years ago and as you're finding out about her you're realizing that her family must be a little bit unusual and they're very religious but i won't tell you what religion they are and she ends up getting a invitation from her 
cousin who is like her childhood best friend and turns out that her cousin is going to be marrying the guy that she was dating when she left the family Ah. and she gets this like handwritten invitation to their wedding and she's like well I have to go even though I have not like my family hates me I have not seen them in years and years but I'm gonna go and she gets there and immediately uh, she uncovers a horrifying secret about her family and it kind of everything kind of explodes and she's kind of forced to reckon with the cult and what her family believes in and why she left and it's super intense it's rachel harrison so like it's just gonna you know it's a banger and uh i think if people are people like messy main characters if you like cult books this is a must buy for people so that is black sheep by rachel harrison and mine is diary of a void a novel by emmy yagi and translated by david boyd So we want to take a moment to share some listener feedback. Katie wrote in to say, Hi, Brian Mallory. I have a suggestion for the nail biter in episode 321. That person should try Calm Strips. They're mm-hmm. reusable sensory stickers that can be rubbed, picked at, and peeled. I'm a cuticle picker, and this has helped me a lot. They're like chewing gum for my hands. Mm-hmm. I have one in my pocket for walks, bring them to meetings or anywhere I need to sit still for a while, and always have one on my Kindle case. They're affordable, so when I pick one down to almost nothing, I just replace it with another highly recommend okay, well i hope the person right now oh, you, look at, you, got, you got them look, you looking got them, at the uh, calm strips oh oh these do look kind of fun so you can just pick them down they're reusable sensory stickers that help you regulate restless energy i love it this is interesting i'm quite curious about these mallory should test these on the show yeah it's a it's such a smart idea to keep one on your kindle case for sure. So you don't pick at your nails while you're reading your Kindle or pick at your Kindle case, which would be better. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah, we'll put, a, we'll put a link to these in the show notes. Ashley wrote in and said, hi, Mallory and Bria. Bria casually mentioned counterfeit books by AI in episode 322, and it made me remember something. My husband ordered a book from Abe Books, and when it arrived, it just looked wrong. It was supposedly published 20 years ago, but looked brand new. It was slightly smaller than all the other books in the series, and everything on the cover was a little off-center. Oh, no. I did a little oh, Googling, so and it turns out counterfeit books have become more and more common, especially with textbooks. A lot of smaller publishers are struggling to keep fake books off of the market and are losing a ton of money with people ripping off their books not only is it bad for business but when the books involve medical information it can be downright dangerous to have fake versions out there a lot of the blame is being put on amazon for failing to regulate what people are selling and not taking a tougher approach when counterfeit products are being sold that is totally wild i know it's totally a problem the reason i brought it up is because ai is playing into it because you can take AI to yeah. be like, oh, write uh, Catcher in the Rye, a version of Catcher in the Rye, and I'm going to like put it out. You know, like you can just like whatever, and AI will, will write the book and you can just publish it and people buy it. And it is Amazon's fault. They need to regulate it. This is a, this is a real problem. And I could see it being a problem for books where they actually copy the whole book. You know, that's like horrible. And these booksellers are not able to sell the books that they have been publishing. Yeah, it's a big problem. Kendrick wrote in to say, listening to your recent episode where a listener wrote in about keeping a library book for a long time has created some angst for me. I live in Portland, Oregon, and our local library now auto-renews books that have no holes apparently forever. What? 
We have a big pile of books by the door, and when I get a notice of being due, I'll move it to the bike bag for returning. Well, one book in particular, French Pastries and Desserts, I had renewed 12 times, which is mind-boggling that it would just auto-renew that many times. Upon realizing this, I quickly returned this book. I did bake some nice French desserts, though. (laughs) Been a listener since episode one. Love the show. Thanks for all you do. Bria, do you want to read Kendrick's Wheelhouse? Wait, first of all, I just want to say, if... If Portland Library has dis- discovered that this is actually a better system, Kendrick, you don't need to worry about it. Yeah, they know is- this works for them. Kendrick, it's not your fault. It. Yeah, you. it's okay that you renewed French pastries and desserts 12 times. And look, you made at least one French dessert. It sounds like you did several. Uh, you're getting use of this book. I don't think it affects them, really. I mean, I I can't imagine they do this with ebooks because you yeah. have a limit on the number of times you can you have to rebuy the book mm-hmm. after a while. But um. But yeah, whatever. If no one else has it, just keep the book. No one else wants it. I mean, this is the way, you know, this is great. I think it's great. All right. Kendrick loves French pastry books. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, Wheelhouse is uh, sci-fi stories that unpack something about the human psyche, books that utilize detailed maps, and baking books, apparently. I was going to say French pastry cookbooks better be in... better be yeah for sure oh my god for sure for sure that is wild imagine just like forgetting a book and then you realize you've had it checked out for like a year that's yeah so god. wild to me you can email us at reading glasses podcast at gmail.com if you want a list of all the books we talk about on the show delivered to your inbox every month you can sign up for our newsletter there's a link in the show notes and quick bookmark not from me not from Bria, but from friend of the show, Becky Spratford, who is one of our librarian heroes. And Becky had heard our library events episode and wanted to tell everybody, and I think this will be of huge interest to the Glassers, that Becky is hosting a virtual horror author panel Wednesday, October 11th at 7 p.m. via Zoom. It is a library event. It's totally virtual. And I will put a link in the show notes. So listen to this stacked panel. We got Becky Spratford, we got Haley Piper, we got Paul Tremblay, Al Makatsu, and Stephen Graham Jones. If you are a wow. glasser and you are not interested in this horror panel, I don't know what to tell you because this is stacked. Yeah, it's gonna be. Su- I want to go. Great way to check off. <laughs> yeah, a great way to check off your 2023 reading glasses challenge. So again, that's well. Wednesday, October 11th at 7 p.m. via Zoom. You do have to register beforehand, but I will put a link in the show notes. Thanks so much for Becky for telling us about it because this sounds amazing. What a perfect October virtual event to go to. Uh, so before we talk about stressed out parent horror, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Earth Breeze. You know when you're taking your recycling bag out and you're like, man, how did this fill up so fast? What is in here that's taken up all that space? One of the likely culprits is laundry detergent jugs. They are so big. They are so annoying. They are so easy to spill. They get all sticky and covered in dryer lint. They're just generally really annoying. And you know what is the solution to that problem? Earth Breeze. What is Earth Breeze? Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but they are laundry detergent sheets and they dissolve in any wash cycle, hot or cold. They give you a powerful clean, even though they don't take up a lot of space. They are tough on stains, they fight odors, and they give you a clean that you can feel good about and they don't take up a lot of space. I hate laundry detergent jugs. They take up a lot of space in the closet. They take up a lot of space on top of the washer. I am very likely to spill them. 
Uh, I've said in a past ad that my boyfriend Jeremy had to buy a steamer because I spilled an entire jug of laundry detergent all over the carpet once. They're just annoying, but we started getting these Earth Breeze Eco Sheets. They are so convenient. The container basically just looks like a really big envelope, and inside are the little Eco Sheets. You just throw one in the wash or two if you ever really... I don't know, maybe if you went swimming in a mud puddle and you have really dirty clothes, or you can tear them in half if you have a small load. They're just so easy to use. They barely take up any space and they get your clothes just as clean. I think they're really impressive. I love using them. And the cool thing is, EarthBreeze offers flexible subscriptions that can be easily adjusted, paused, or canceled. And they offer a satisfaction guarantee. If you're not into EarthBreeze EcoSheets, they'll give you a full refund, no questions asked. Right now, our listeners can subscribe to EarthBreeze and save 40%. Go to earthbreeze.com slash glasses. That's earthbreeze.com slash glasses for 40% off. earthbreeze.com slash glasses. Glasses. Hi, uh, this is Lori Kilmartin. And I'm Jackie Cation. And we have a podcast called The Jackie and Lori Show on Max Fun. And it's very exciting because what do we talk about? Comedy. Stand-up comedy. We both do stand-up comedy and have since the dawn of well, Christ. Well, Jackie. Is that offensive? It is offensive to me because you've aged me. <laughs> uh, we started in the late 80s and we're still here. You can't kill us. So go to The Jackie and Lori Show on Max Fun and listen to that. The Jackie and Lori Show. New episodes Monday, only on MaximumFun.org. This week, it's officially horror book season, and we're here to talk about one of the hottest horror trends right now, stressed out parents why is this trend so popular right now and what books in this subgenre do we love bria first off what counts as stressed out parent horror <laughs> <laughs> uh it's a horror book where the protagonist is a stressed out parent in some faction maybe protecting their kids maybe they have an evil baby maybe <laughs> they uh they're a lot of them seem to be like someone kind of slowly losing their mind and being scared that they're gonna hurt their kids this feels yes. like part of it to me um, yeah, I think the, that kind of covers it. Um, but either way, the story has to revolve around the parent. And it's kind of, I think you wrote, you nailed the best. It's the horror of parenthood. It's why it's yes. parents. It's being, it's including horror, like ma parenthood isn't all great. I think that is sort of the uh, mm -hmm. general idea. Yes. So this is hot, hot, hot. We started talking about it last year and it has just hit full force. There's just so many horror books about stressed out parents. Bria, why do we think this is such a popular trope in horror right now? Well, first, I have to say Mallory must really love y'all because um, <laughs> she is so tired of these stressed out parent books and she will text me and be like, I just picked up another one. I can't believe oh. I, that I picked up another stressed out parent book. Like, and <laughs> so she must really like y'all if she is like deciding to do this episode. Um, <laughs> she also likes Clay a lot, I think is what it is. Uh, I think yeah, Clay is a I, good friend of the show. I love Clay. <laughs> He's very sweet. And he wrote a great book. I, I'm focusing more on the mother side of things of why I think these are happening. But I think there's some really good stressed out father books as well. I personally think a lot more women are putting themselves at the center of books. A lot more female authors or people are just centering women's stories. And it's about 
finding things in their experience, whether they are mothers themselves or they witness their mothers working overtime to take care of them and also working a job, et cetera, and like putting that at the center of, of horror and genre and just books in general. I actually Googled, why are women stressed? Because I was Did like- people just la- start laughing at you? <laughs> and, and, and there's too many articles to name. But basically what we know, and especially like even the pandemic showed this more is that women are doing, still doing most of the household work, even if- um, they have full-time jobs. Even if they have children, they're doing, their labor is still not 50-50. So women are going to work every day, coming home and still having additional, another shift at home because they are doing the vast majority of the child rearing and the house decisions and the housework. I think also it's just stressful to be a parent. And there's a lot of pressure on all genders and all people to be good parents and do it right and not fuck up that kid. We all talk about fucking <laughs> how fucked up we are but from our parents, I feel like that's the number one joke. And then we become parents and we're like, oops, how do I not do it? How do I not do the fucking up? And I think so there's real. a lot of people kind of grappling with that. Yes. And how you make sure you didn't, you want to make sure you're doing it right. There's a lot of self-awareness maybe about parenthood. People aren't just having kids and being like, oops, I had a kid. They're more like, I'm making this decision and I want to make sure I'm doing it correctly. And there's a lot of pressure on that. So those are my reasons, I think. What do you think? I totally agree. And I so I think it's like a multi-pronged thing. Like, I think society is finally very slowly beginning to recognize the huge amount of unpaid work it takes to raise children, yeah. usually, like you said, on behalf of moms. And there's also, you know, been a bigger push in the past 10 years to publish more women, which means women are finally able to write and sell books about their own lives and their own stories and how scary being a mother is. You know, there's, of course, a lot of classics of the stressed out parent book, but most of them are about dads and from the dad's point of view, you know, Pet Cemetery, that mm. kind of thing, the, or written by male authors like Rosemary's Baby by uh, Ira Levin. And it's just time for all types of parents to vent their fears. And that's why I think we've been seeing a lot of stressed out mom books recently. And finally, the world is fucking awful right now. <laughs> and parents at least the parents that i know are just so extra anxious having their children in this world because there's mm. just things are awful uh so i just think there is we're seeing more of it because more people are, are being encouraged to tell their stories and i think parents are especially you know with gun violence and so much like this this extra stress and extra fear for parents nowadays so there's so many of these books why is it such an effective genre i actually see in the slack all the time people looking for a stressed out parent where we get oh, a lot fun. of emails asking for more stressed out parent books. Why do people want these and why is it so effective? I mean, I think they're stressful to read because if you are a parent or not a parent, you probably care about children. Like, I mean, unless you are a cold, cold hearted person, you're caring about kids. You want the kids to do well. Um, and they make for good, like horror or like paranoia porn is what I'll call it. Where it's like, <laughs> you think you're just fucking up all the time. You know, you're like, how am I, how I'm fucking this up. I'm fucking this up, you know? And I think that that is like something we all worry about in our lives. And especially when it comes to, you know, raising the future generations of the world. And we all know moms and we know parents. And even if we aren't them, we can see how stressful it is raising a whole fucking human who has to exist in the world on their own and live on their own and make good decisions. And like, you know, I, I think any of us can relate to that. Why, why do you think they're effective? I mean, for to it, because there's generally two categories that you're either afraid for your kid or you're afraid of your kid in these books. Mm -hmm. And for yeah, the yeah, yeah. ones that you're afraid for your kid, it's just, 
it's it's I don't want to say it's easy because it's not easy to write a fucking book. Both of us know this, but it's something that it's very easy to fall into. Like, OK, like if you're, if you're starting to read a book, if I'm reading a book and it's a parent and something bad is happening to their kid, like even if I don't know those characters that well yet, no one ever wants a, a bad thing to happen to a child. So you, it's like a very great way to create tension, to create fear. You're like already on board right away if you hear about a parent who's worried about their kid. And on the flip side, if you're worried of your kid i think it's very terrifying and like the exorcist is such a perfect example of this like when something when your kid becomes scary they're still your kid they're still attached Mm -hmm. to you in some way Mm -hmm. and so it's very effective because it's the scary thing it's not just like a monster it's a monster that is related to you and you are in some ways responsible for so it's just a it's very effective in that way now we know the answer for half of us are we fans generally of these kinds of books i am i like them i think there's so many good ones and they just kind of keep coming i'm enjoying the female perspective that lets go of this perfection of motherhood where it's like you have a baby you become this beautiful earth mother you connect with the soil and you suddenly start (laughs) growing your own trees and and plants and you feed your baby all organic it's like no thing is fucking things are hard and this parasite is killing me i think like that is very interesting to me is seeing how tough things are like where people are suddenly like oh no my life is not what i thought it would be which is very much what clay's book i think does really yes it's a very realistic version of being what it's like to be a parent obviously it's it's um realistic and uh uh uh, even more so it's like you know not it's not totally realistic it's taking that and making it much more scary but sometimes it is i'm sure neither one of us are parents i'm sure sometimes it's wonderful to be a parent but i like this version where it's kind of fun to see the not wonderful times what about you you liking these books (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, I will say typically no. There's um, obviously there's some that are absolutely amazing that I love, but most of the time they're too stressful for me. Like I start to panic. If I haven't seen my cat Lula in like 10 minutes, I assume that she's dead and I need to find her. I cannot imagine having to protect a fucking baby. Like that Mm -hmm. is so stressful to me. That's why I cannot have human children because I would be the most annoying mom of all time. Also, I really don't like pregnancy horror because it's very scary to me because like, pregnancy to me is just body horror it's just so intimate and like oh there's something about body horror like i think everyone has a type of horror that really freaks them out and for me it's pregnancy slash body horror Hmm. it just cannot i cannot handle it um so just the funny thing is just before spooky season started i very publicly on the show put a moratorium on stressed out parent books but then i broke it for guest, our guest in front of the show, Clay's book, What Kind of Mother, because I will read anything Clay writes. And this, this What Kind of Mother, I mean, you can listen to it in the interview. It's just, it's more, there's so much going on in it. Yeah. Like, I mean, you read it. There's just, it's like weird fiction. It's body horror. It's like folk it. horror. I texted I Mallory it. one of my favorite texts, but I can't say what it is. I know. It, it would be such a spoiler. So I texted it to Clay as well, though. Like <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna tell you that you should text Clay. Yeah. Well if anyone wants to know what the text is, I'll put it in the Slack. And the spoil oh in the spoiler section. Yeah, we'll spoil put it in the spoiler zone channel. But yeah, I mean I, I feel like my stance right now is that I will pass on a stressed out parent book unless it's by an author that I really, really love. And Clay, of course, is that. So speaking of besides what kind of mother, uh, what are some stressed out parent books that we do recommend? The first one I thought of was Sundial by Katriana Ward. It's so fucked up. It's about a mother 
who is scared of her daughter. Her daughter's starting to do weird stuff. And she's like, wait a second. And also, I think it's partially from the daughter's perspective. And it takes her a while to, like, she kind of is like, what is going on? And then she decides to go back home to where she grew up, where her father was a scientist who was doing some animal experiments and also other experiments. It is a really, and then she has to, like, come come face-to-face with her own childhood in order to help save her daughter. It's great. I was going to say just like home, but I guess it's not from the mother. It's a daughter. It's a it's Dr. being Frustra stressed daughter. out by parents. Yeah, this is a different <laughs> category. Okay, okay, okay. Um, the other one I really thought I thought would be really good is Crossroads by Laurel Hightower. Hmm. I feel like this is, Laurel was on the cutting edge of this trend. This book came out a few hot, years ago. Hot, hot cutting edge of stressed out parent horror. Exactly. And it was, this one is about a mother who loses her son. And she basically will do anything, including some body horror, in order to get him back. And it's a great little novella. Also, Mallory, about Samantha Schweblin's um, Fever Dream. That's oh, a, she's God, a fave of the think show. About that, and that's a yeah, pregnancy for sure. Pregnancy body horror one that would really work. I mean, I can name these all day. I was sitting there, I was falling asleep last night, and I thought of one because I was like, "Oh, that was a good one too." Um, Instead but of yeah, counting I, sheep, you're counting sh- stress. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there, there she's stressed one. out there about the another. bills. She's stressed out about her body. She's stressed oh out about God. the. Anyway, so those are three that I can definitely say: Crossroads, Fever Dream, and Sundial. Great, all about the mother's perspective. What about you? You uh, you have any that you will you'll you'll decide to recommend in spite of your yes. uh okay <laughs> well this uh, so i'm gonna recommend a book that i talked about a lot the year it came out i think it was from i think i read it during the pa- like when the pandemic first you started did. yeah but i think it ca- had come out the year before so it's from a few years ago it's helen phillips's the need and it is like very genre bendy sci-fi horror but it's all like the main character is a mom it's all about motherhood and it's just so it's so amazing it's about a woman she works as a paleobotanist and she's working at this dig that's near in in the town like in in the town that she lives in and she finds some strange artifacts in the dirt around the same time she starts finding these strange things at her dig site an intruder starts breaking into her home that seems to have a very terrifying familiarity with her home and her children and it's so intense it's like very horror-y thrillery sci-fi genre bendy it's just like it's really really good and i love it um I need also this, this has been on my tbr for so long i think you would love this book also we got to recommend victor lavelle's the changeling a book that you and i both love uh, and that's now a tv show i know i know i haven't watched it yet i'm excited to see it when i get back it's kind of more fantasy horror and it's got like a disappearance it's the main character is a dad and it has a monster and it's just great i think it was actually on our favorites of the year the year it came out yeah, I think it was too. I think it was. I mean, Victor Lavelle, we love him. Yeah, we love him so much. So those are those are two that I really love. And I mean, we're about to talk to him, but I cannot recommend What Kind of Mother Enough. It's my new favorite clay book, and it's got so much going on and a very... It's actually got two stressed out parents, but the main character is a stressed out mom, and uh, things get wild. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so you can send your thoughts about stressed out parent books to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com. Before we talk to Clay McLeod Chapman about his stressed out parent book, What Kind of Mother, we're going to take a quick break. Reading Glasses is brought to you in part this week by Warby Parker. Warby Parker is committed to providing exceptional vision care online and in stores, offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, eye exams, and contact lenses. 
Classes start at $95, which includes prescription lenses. You can try Warby Parker's free home try-on program. You can order five pairs of glasses to try at home for free for five days. No obligation to buy. Ships free and includes a prepaid return shipping label. Folks, you know what's on my face right now? A pair of Warby Parker glasses. I love Warby Parker. I have been wearing their glasses for years. I love the home try-on program. Maybe you just don't feel like leaving the house that day. COVID's getting bad right now, and it's a little bit scary to leave the house again. It's just so easy to pick out five pairs of glasses that you think are going to look cute on you. They ship them to your house. You can try them on at home. Everyone knows it's kind of a pain to try on glasses at the store because, you know, what you really want to do is, you know, you want to put your hair up. You want to put your hair down. You want to see what they look like with different outfits, and that's not something you can really do in public, but you can do it with the home try-on program. Really, it's just so easy and their classes are great. And if you need to renew your prescription, you can do their virtual vision test and you can renew your prescription from home on your iPhone for just $15. Download the Warby Parker virtual vision test app to see if you are eligible. Really, it is just so easy, so great. And they have different face widths, which is fantastic. You can get narrow glasses, regular glasses, wide glasses. I got a wide old face, so I get the wide ones. The glasses are so cute, and you can try some on right now to see what they look like on your face. You can try five pairs of glasses at home for free at warbyparker.com slash glasses. So that's warbyparker.com slash glasses. Glasses. Greatest Trek is the podcast for all your modern Star Trek needs. It's funny, informative, and now it's also timely. That's because every Friday, right after the release of a new episode of Strange New Worlds, Picard, Lower Decks, Discovery, or Prodigy, we bring you a review of that episode. There's some great new Star Trek coming up, and we're going to cover all of it. You'll like our show because we're both former video producers, so we bring a lot of insight into the production and filmmaking aspects to these episodes. And we also have a very refined sense of humor, so we make lots of delightful fart jokes along the way. So come see why Greatest Trek is one of the most popular television recap podcasts on all of the internet. Subscribe to Greatest Trek at MaximumFun.org or in the podcast app you're using right now. So here we are with author, friend of the show, master of the spooky, Clay McLeod Chapman. Clay, thank you so much for joining us once again. Oh my God, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Love it. Before we jump into your amazing book, mm-hmm. you got to tell us, what are you reading? <laughs> oh man, I am reading Black River Orchard. <laughs> I am, Oh my God, I just finished that yesterday. It is so good. <laughs> 300 pages in and I swear to God I am never never eating an apple ever oh again. My God. <laughs> like, I'm like I am done. Chuck Wendig has destroyed apples for me. That bastard. <laughs> He's I'm done. I'm done. I mean, it is the funny thing is I also I have oral allergy syndrome, which is something they talk about in the book. So I'm like, oh, my God, this is the only time being allergic to raw (laughs) apples has made me safe. (laughs) I mean, I I love I love how there's like like the moments where it's just like, I'm not going to eat that apple. And you're like, oh, my God, they're safe. Like just yeah, I, I, I there's like half of a book to go. Like I'm so like I'm barely halfway in like Chuck just writes, you know 
monoliths. So I, I, I feel like what I know now versus what I'll know 100 pages, 200 pages, 300 pages from now, like I'm just, I'm just knee deep. And already like he's just destroyed fruit forever for me. Done. <laughs> Damn you, Chuck. Damn you. <laughs> that's how that's how good Chuck Wendig is, is he can make apples terrifying. <laughs> I keep telling people, I'm like, this book is about scary apples. That's really all you need to know. And it is just a masterpiece. I mean, yeah, like I, I was telling my wife, I was like, it's about evil apples. And she's like, really? And I'm like, no, it is about evil apples. And she's like, she just like she just doesn't believe me but like if if you read the damn if you just open it i mean it is like kind of like biting into that apple like if you just take that first little nibble like it just sweeps you away and then you're you're gone like you're you're in wendig's spell and it uh he makes the most mundane things so terrifying and oh god not gonna happen never gonna bite another apple never 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 so it's funny because this episode we're talking about stressed out parents, but Black River Orchard is almost about being a stressed out kid <laughs> about be about parents. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that poor dad. I yeah, I feel I feel for um the daughter in there because dad yeah, I, I wanna ask Chuck this, Mr. Wendig, this uh when the time comes. But like as I'm reading it, I can't help but think of little Dan, the 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 father in the book, as him. Like I've cast him in that role in my head, which is inappropriate, but like I still do it. And uh I just want to kind of ask him like 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 that that awful reader question of like, is that you? Um but <laughs> yeah. So because it's he just looks like he just feels like a Chuck <laughs> well it is i mean it's a very personal book it takes place in pennsylvania you know it's very it's a very ch i mean obviously all books are very chuck books but this is a particularly chuck book very chuck very this is like chuck full of chuck um chuck, chuck. full of chuck <laughs> <laughs> which honestly is a selling point because we love chuck wending i love his books and this is definitely uh it's it's one of my favorites of his uh. but Speaking of favorites of mine, I have read all of Clay's books and the, you're in his new one, What Kind of Mother, which you should all buy, is I think my new favorite. And you no. got to tell us about it because it is a banger. No, you you can't just I'm not going to disagree. I'm not going to contest that. But that's like a you're that's a big thing to say. And I, I just need to. Oh, like, it's so fucking good. Uh, <laughs> I am so scared of this book. Like this book, like I think people need to read this. I, I have to find people. Like how do people read books? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm in that like this comes out in a week and I'm panicking mode. So forgive me. Uh, but OK, what kind of mother is, you know, the the, the pitch to it is like imagine a Nicholas Sparks novel just going right off the rails into like, uh, you know, weird <laughs> cosmic, you know, uh, territory. But imagine like a single mom raising a teen daughter on her own, struggling to make ends meet, comes back to her coastal Chesapeake Bay town in Brandywine, Virginia. And she's kind of making ends meet by reading palms. And is she like really a psychic? No, probably not. You know, definitely not something that she, you know, no, no kind of like lame claim to like actually being psychic. But this is how she's making her her living at the moment. <laughs> and she reconnects 
with a former high school flame who has been living in Brandywine his whole life and has been kind of like stuck in a, uh, a kind of downward spiral because he's his son has uh, vanished for five years now. And when this woman, Maddie, takes this man, Henry's hand into her own and reads his palm, she has what she believes to be a true psychic epiphany. And it leads her down a very dark, <laughs> very out there kind of, uh, you know, direction, path. And things just get weird. And it's like missing persons and missing children and all that crazy stuff. And who knows what happens from there. So that's, that's kind of my... It's so good. I described it in our, as because it's my newsletter pick for this month. And it is uh, in our, our Reading Glasses newsletter, which if you have not signed up, you should. Wow. Uh, and I described it as a buffet of horror delights because there's a <laughs> lot of different things about... A lot of different parts of horror in here. You know, there's stressed out parent horror. There's creepy kid horror. There's... Uh, body horror horror you know there's a and cosmic weird stuff there's so much going on in here it is so fantastic but the reason why we're featuring it for this episode is it's all about stressed out parent horror and if you listen to the show you know we've talked so much about how it's uh, a really big thing this year clay why do you think stressed out parent horror is having a resurgence or do you think that stressed out parent books are always in for horror <laughs> i you know it's i think i kind of uh, what is it? I red pilled myself where like, uh, you know, <laughs> where there's just that feeling of like, I am now a stressed out parent. Uh, I am the father of two boys and they are, uh, young and I am making every wrong decision. I mean, every decision I make, it's the wrong one. And I'm just like systematically destroying their lives on every fundamental level possible. And I can't wait for the therapy bills that will be coming because it's just, it's just inevitable. And I, and I, you know, like, so for me, it's like, oh my God, like, this is like, you, you pick up a book about stressed out parents and all of a sudden it's like, I like this book was written just for me, but I think that they've always been here. And it's just that, like, I, I don't know, it's being one suddenly allows me to see them everywhere now, but I think they've been, I think they've existed on the shelves and they've, they've always, they've always lived in the castle. Um, but, <laughs> We've always been a stressed out parent. <laughs> <laughs> this is way, whether, whether you have kids or not, like it's just, it's like in our systems. And uh, I do think, yeah, I, you know, I connect with them on a level that I may have not before, but you know, I think that you don't have to have kids to, dive in like they're so good because maybe there's the rubbernecking of a stressed out parent book if you don't have kids because it's like oh my god what's you know what's up with rosemary like why is she so stressed out i don't get it but you know then <laughs> just calm down geez, it's fine like, i mean like dad what you know baby papa is the devil but so no but i i <laughs> i don't know like i i i think that it is, there's a level of commiseration that may have not been there before. And I feel it. I feel it in ways that are so profound <laughs> that like, oh my God, I want, I want. So more. piggybacking off of that, did becoming a parent change your taste in horror stories? Do you gravitate towards stressed out parent books now or do they stress you out too much? Um, I think they find, the stressed out parent books find me more than anything. <laughs> um, 
where I, maybe it's just like interpretation. Like I'll read a book and be like, that's a stressed out parent book. And I'll be like, really? That book was, you know, that was about ponies. <laughs> I, I, maybe, yeah, I, I just think that like the thing I'm bringing to the table is a lot different now. But yeah, I, I think stressed out parent books are here to stay. I think that now that there's more skin in the game, I am reading them differently. I'm writing scary books differently because like, I just, I say this all the damn time, but like, I just cast my own kids in these like personal horror movies in my head every day that I like kiss them and say goodbye and see them off to school because like, that's when the world, this like big bad world of ours takes them and like, you know, that's when the real scary stuff takes over. So yeah, stressed out parents. Yeah. <laughs> So do you have some favorites of the stressed out parent horror genre? I mean, you, you just talked about Rosemary's Baby, which is an incredible book, but are there any others that you think uh, are, you know, classics? Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because like, you know, when you ask the question, there are like, like I have a, these like fireworks going off in my head. And like the first thing that came into my head is this amazing book that came out a couple years ago uh, called The Upstairs House by Julia Fine. Um, it is, do, do you ever, do you remember that, that young, the, the children's book, Good Night Moon? Yes. Yes. So imagine that in your house is a secret room, like an upstairs apartment where the ghost of the author of Good Night Moon just lives. And Jesus Christ, <laughs> what is that like? And you just so happen to be uh, the parent of a newly born child and the only babysitter, the only childcare you you find is the ghost of the author of <laughs> Good Night Moon. Oh my God. It's amazing. It's amazing. Baby Teeth by Zoja Stage. I hope I'm pronouncing Zoja correct. Zoja Stage. Uh, Baby Teeth, I think is like a contemporary classic i love that book oh my god that's a that's like creepy kid stressed out parent book like just super super awesome and then i thought of we need to talk about kevin did you ever read that oh classic for sure yeah lionel shriver like that book jeez louise like that i i think that like takes it to a whole other level but yeah those were those were the ones that like really kind of popped up and like maybe beloved by Tony Morrison, like, you know, like, Oh my God, there's, there's so many like permutations and kind of branches of this kind of stressed out parent tree that like, I just want to like, you know, wander off on a limb and, and find more. But yeah, those are the ones that like kind of immediately crept into my mind. And so Besides the stressed out parents, creepy children are definitely their staple of horror. They're a staple of folk horror, folk horror in particular. And I, I love you. I love reading your acknowledgements because this, for this book in particular, I love seeing, you know, what, what was the DNA that went into making this book? And then you mentioned folk horror. So did you pull from any legends or myths about creepy children for what kind of mother? Um, I want to think about that really, you know, because it's not like there's a specific Chesapeake Bay uh, folk like story. Maybe there is. Uh, you know, I definitely pulled from like Brothers Grimm. It, it's almost like I, I plucked more from the authors who plucked from the folklore. Like I like. Have you ever read Buried Child or seen Buried Child by Sam Shepard? Um, no. That that to me is like an amazing. Like it it is folklore without being. It's like Southern Gothic. Like I love that play. But 
You know, it's funny, like Jenny Greenteeth just keeps flashing in my head, but that's not, you know, creepy kids. It's it's always... But I mean, if it, if the DNA is in there, it's, you know... I feel like the, it's always out. the inverse, right? Like it's always like the parent... Like the parent is trying to warn the kid to stay away from the water. Don't go near the water because if you go too close to the water, you fall in and you drown. So, you know, the only versions of creepy kid folklore that I'm personally aware of is like changeling children, um, Mm -hmm. like maybe Kelpies, like, like the, the, the idea of like, you know, like there's like a, like a swapping of your, your baby for, uh. Well, geez, we were we were just talking about the nest, like the like that idea of like these these kids are not your kids because they're like so spooky. Yeah, like oh my god, changeling children, like that to me, that is probably that creepy children folklore. Really, kind of like children is children. a perfect Freudian slip. <laughs> children, that's like the DVD cassette cover, like just waiting. It's like you know, children of the corn five. Children. <laughs> yeah, but I, I 100% agree. I do not have children, and the concept of a changeling is absolutely terrifying to me. Uh, so good, though. So, like, this is like, you're not my kid anymore. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like there have been a gazillion amazing stories that, that speak specifically to changeling children. And, like, like that is, that's the kind of folklore that, you know, if it's not about, like, don't go near the water kids. It's about like, you're not my kid anymore, which like dovetails into the whole idea of like postpartum depression. And like, you know, like the, that like, there's this biological, psychological, like, like a a kind of antecedent to like a parallel narrative of like, and I'm air quoting here, like, is she, is she crazy or is she really seeing these things? Or is, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like that idea of like always walking that line of, is this my child? Of course it's my child. It has to be my child. What else could it be? It's a demon baby. No, it's not a demon baby. Like you like that. I love that that kind of tension of is it or isn't it? And that it has its roots in folklore, but also has this kind of medical professional psychological blah blah blah. You know, like that version of it that to me, mm, yeah. Is it or is yeah, it? the it that is it, it's so good. And you know, there's so much great stuff in this book, especially with, I don't want to, I'm, I'm trying to talk around it because I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but uh, there's definitely a really fun element when things start to happen in this book where you're like, <laughs> well, what's actually happening? And something that else that is in this book that I really love and something that is a huge thing for me in horror is economic stress. Like I love, because it's, it, you know, sometimes I read stories and I'm like, man, how is this person paying for this thing? Or how is this happening? And it's something that I, I I really love when authors and filmmakers include an economic element. How do you think being poor affects a horror story? You know, it is so interesting that you ask it. And I feel like so often when you have a kind of call and response with like audience and like a film or readers and a book, there's always this moment where where like, the audience or the reader will be like, why did they make that choice? Like, why did they do that? I would never do that. And I always find that moment really telling in a, in an interesting way, because it always strikes me as being kind of class-based that like, yes. I would never do that. Well, you're, you wouldn't do that because dot, dot, dot X, Y, Z, like, like there, that there's a certain kind of like, well, you come from either uh, uh, a financial class where that 
you wouldn't make that choice because you you don't understand where being, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I I feel like when we when we're dealing with complex characters that that choices are made because of their economic where they are financially economically, I I feel like those choices you almost can like make bolder choices or choices that aren't aren't just based on like nobility or just like like the questions of like right or wrong just kind of go out the window like it's like this is i have to do this i need to do this i'm choosing I, it's not even re- really a choice it's like i like this is the way i go because xyz and it's you know with what kind of mother i you know there are so many threads that like uh, personal threads of like my mom god bless her like she raised me on her own for years and she was a potter and so like she like she had her craft and like she was making ends meet scraping by doing this thing that she loved and doing it alone while raising me and like there's this whole kind of like mythic kind of story she tells where she'd be like you know i would be at the potter's wheel like throwing you know making pots or dishes or whatever with you and a papoose on my back and the hum of the the potter's wheel would lull you to sleep and like i don't know if that's true i want to believe it's true like it seems like a cool story it's a great story it's a fun story right i have to imagine i was a holy terror on her back and she's just like stressed out parents stressed out parent like all of a sudden like (laughs) that was her her like angry period of of pottery which is why all her pots then were like jagged and no no i'm just making that up but like you know like i (laughs) i for me like thinking of that version of my mom like doing this thing that she loved and doing it because that was that was the thing she did and like doing it alone raising me at the same time i don't know like that kind of fed into the book in a way where like Maddie, the the protagonist, she's not my mom, but like I, I I feel like I imbued a lot of those those kind of like those internal struggles of like raising a kid, and then like you have to raise a teenager, and teenagers suck, <laughs> and like you know like they hate you, and like you love them, but you kind of hate them too. <laughs> like it's like you know it's just like such a like ah like why am I doing this? And uh, yeah, I just that was me being a shitty kid to my mom at a point where she did nothing but like raise me so yeah i i wanted to kind of like pay lip service to the like all the single moms out there kind of doing what they do raising kids and you know not having a lot to do it with but yeah that was kind of a digression off of the economics but man i remember some like cold nights you know sucking on a ketchup packet <laughs> because yeah. that was well, I was going to say I mean the, the two subgenres of horror go really well together because you know I love a story where you have a, a stressed out parent and they're trying to make ends meet because like you said it informs so much of their decisions and at least in this book what kind of mother it really I mean it informs all her decisions and it is such a interesting through line for the book and it makes her make decisions that like you said readers might not agree with but but she's got to do it and I I love the way that that you did that and it makes the book uh, you know make, raises the I think it's a great way to raise the stakes even in a situation that might to the outside not seem so like the stakes are so high but when you're really poor the stakes are always high yeah 
Yeah, and you, you got know, when it's, you're living, it's like you got nothing motel. to lose. Like, it, like it's it's weird because it's like it is this like feeling of like you know every choice matters, but nothing matters, and like that weird mm-hmm. chaos, that like weird tension of just like you know like to hell with it. Like you know I'm gonna just like I'm gonna like punch that gorilla right in the face. <laughs> like you know like it's <laughs> it's I don't know like you're it's like you're almost emboldened by the like nothing to lose because what have I got? Yeah, that's definitely a, a strong flavor in this book. Besides Old Bay, there's a lot of not no no gorillas to punch in this book, but there are a lot of crabs. Lot of, so yeah, um, this book gets a little gets a little crabby. It's a little crabby book. <laughs> and this is not in our outline, but I wanted to ask you before we go something that is really great about what kind of mother is the sense of place. Yeah. Um, and this is and I know you. This is where you grew up, right in Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. I. Uh, you know, I. It's weird. I mean, Virginia is like one of those amazing states where it's like you got the mountains that way you got the ocean that way you got Mm -hmm. cities kind of sprinkled here and there uh and then the confederacy all around (laughs) it's it's like it's like it's a it's a real kind of mixture of just everything and uh i yeah my family grew up along this i mean the piankatank is a real river you know it i the the places I'm writing about in the book are actual places. And like, it is like, there's a, a duck blind in the book. And I, I see that duck blind out the window every day that I'm down there. So like, it's just like, it's just all of these things exist in a strange kind of funny, weird, you know, melting pot of, of kind of culture clashing. And I just, I love it. And I wanted to write about it and I've never, you know, like I, I feel like more there needs to be more kind of like Chesapeake Bay Gothic, like more kind of like there's. Oh, uh, I'm so in for that. Yeah, yeah, like Southern Gothic, so but like that. more <laughs> sprinkle more Old Bay. <laughs> sprinkle that Old Bay. <laughs> Just take your Southern Gothic, <laughs> sprinkle that Old Bay all over it. That's a <laughs> then you got yourself some Chesapeake Gothic. <laughs> I am very in for this, and if this is starting a new subgenre horror that is Chesapeake Bay Gothic, I am. Very, very in for it. <laughs> I, and, I, and I'm and i sure that our listeners will too. Yeah. Uh, we'll be into it too. Folks, you got to get What Kind of Mother. It just came out. Clay, are you doing any events? And Is there any place where people can get the signed versions of this book? Oh my God. It will be, I am, I'm going to do a 20 stop book tour between uh, September and October to November. But great places to pick up a signed copy will be Gibson's books in uh, Concord, New Hampshire, Books are magic and Brooklyn will have it. Those are the two that are coming off the top of my head. I'll be at Fountain Bookstore in Richmond, Virginia. Um, that's where I'm kicking off this book tour. So that'll be really super fun. Awesome. Oh, that's extra fun. Yeah. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes to uh, your website and your social media so people can can catch you on tour. We highly recommend it. We know that Clay is such a great speaker. Highly, highly recommend going to see him, picking up this book. It's perfect for spooky season. I just just absolutely massively enjoyed it. Oh and God. you should get it right now. Oh, so yeah. Clay, thank you as always for coming on and talking about spooky stuff. We love having you. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Now let's solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Luke writes in, Dear Brian Mallory, I adore your show so much and so thankful for what you've done for my reading life. Thanks to you guys, I read almost 30 books last year and I'm on track to read almost 40 this year. You've really helped me fall back in love with reading 
I'm so grateful. I have a small problem, though. I joined a book club a while back, specifically a sci-fi fantasy book club, where we choose books via member nomination and then a general vote. I nominated T.J. Clune's The House in the Cerulean Sea, one of my favorite books of all time, believing it would be a solid, warm read with broad appeal to the club members. To my surprise, though, my book club hated it feeling it was saccharine and not thoughtful enough in its metaphor for oppression. Everyone was very respectful in their criticisms and the book club has since moved on to other works and I'm still enjoying the club broadly, but I can't shake this particular incident from my head. How do you let go of folks hating your favorite book? Bria, what do you think Luke should do? Luke, I I see you because my book (laughs) club also hated a book that I recommended and loved and they, a lot of people... Okay, maybe they like most, it wasn't all my book club. Some of them liked it, but they was very criticized. And I was like, man, this is the best book ever. How could you possibly dislike this book? But I have found there's always one or two people in my book club who don't like the book. And I don't know if it's just contrarianism or what. Most of the books we read, I really like. And I'm always surprised with the criticism they come up with. So I've tried to like think about that, that there's always like, books that someone doesn't like in the book club because we have a variety of tastes, Mm -hmm. right? And I think that for some people, and hopefully this doesn't get me in trouble, it's easier to focus on what you don't like than what you do. I think that's, it's a type of personality. It's just someone who they, they they, the same thing with watching movies. Some people, Mm -hmm. that's how they, they look at stuff and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we are talking about, they aren't talking about you. That's the biggest point I want to make. They're not talking about you. They're not even talking about your taste, really. They're talking about this one book that just was not hitting Mm -hmm. for them right now for whatever reason. Maybe they're like, we only like books that cut through the heart of darkness and we want to make sure, we want grim, dark or nothing. Um, (laughs) But it's, it's not you they disliked. It's just like they didn't like that weird Satan boy in the book or whatever. You know, like they didn't like the, some part. They didn't like the Cerulean Sea. Um, and I think our biggest problem in life to get a bit, little bit bigger here, at least mine, is to learn to not th- take things personally, especially mm-hmm. in something like this. Because these people are your friends or maybe they're just your acquaintances that you're in a book club with. I don't really know. But you wouldn't be in the club if you didn't like them and they didn't like you and they didn't want you to be there. So I think that... While it's hard to move on because you obviously have differing tastes, you can be friends and colleagues and acquaintances with people who don't share your taste. And especially in our world right now, I feel like we're very divided by like, you don't like that? Fuck you. You know, like it's becomes this, Mm -hmm. there's a weird like where we gang up on people who don't like a thing. And like, I think it's hard to not just buy into that. And like, it's okay to like different things than your friends. It's okay to, for them to dislike the thing that you love like that. It, this is all, it sucks. And it means that like, maybe you shouldn't invite them to the movie premiere of house on the Cerulean sea when someone makes a movie out of it or something. I don't know, but like you'll find people that you agree with. It's just not these people. These people are introducing you to a new kind of book that maybe you don't normally read, or they're giving you new ideas for things that you don't normally do. And you're doing the same for them. This is an exchange of ideas. Anyway, the biggest thing is, you, can't, you have to not take it personally and just know that this is a place where people should feel free to say their opinions even when, unfortunately, they don't agree with you and also they're wrong. <laughs> they're not wrong. But they, but I think I also love this book and I'll shout you, I'll like back you up and say, I think this is such a lovely little book. Um, what do you think? What do you have some advice for Luke? I also understand Luke's pain as someone who recommends books to people all the time. 
I get it. Uh, it's rough. So I have two pieces of advice for Luke. One, to piggyback off, you know, your great advice about everyone, you know, reading books differently. Just try to remember that everyone brings their own baggage and life experience mm-hmm. to a book. You know, it so happens that House in the Cerulean Sea was the perfect match for Luke. Uh, mm-hmm. But not for the people in your book club. Maybe someone's uncle was they drowned in a cerulean sea (laughs) (laughs) and they can never read a book about it (laughs) but you you know what i mean there's always like that one person that's like oh i can't read this because of it you're like wow okay sure um but and it doesn't make the book bad but you're just also you're very different people it's not a slight on your book that's just art you know like Mm -hmm everyone has their own life experiences that they bring their own things that have happened to them and their own opinions. And so much of the book is you. And so much of the book is your, the time is like, you know, how many times have you and I started books and not been into it because of where we were at in that particular place in time? Yeah. I started a book recently. That's by an author that I absolutely love. And because of my life experience, I was like, I'm really not clicking with this. And it's frustrating, Mm. but that's just how it is. And it's like you said, it's not, it, they're not saying this book is terrible and you are awful for reading for loving it. It's just not clicking with them. So just tr- hopefully that will help Luke not take it personally. I also want to share some book club advice. Uh-oh. I think that book that Luke should not be choosing a book for a book club that he's already read and is obsessed with because as someone who recommends books to their friends all the time and used to be part of a book club, you are basic. You're, you're walking into a world of hurt. Really? <laughs> You know what I, I did this just, though, Mallory. I recommended a book. I mean, we were recommending books, choosing books of our own. So it was like sort of the assignment. Yeah. But generally, like, I think it's just, it's hard to bring something that means so much to you and then bring it to a very varied group of people who have different opinions mm. and not get your feelings hurt because there's no possible way that every single person is going to feel like that about your book, you know? Yeah. And it's just going to make, your feelings hurt. So I think it's always better if you, unless some the assignment is pick a book that you've already read and loved to bring something new to a book club. All these people are experiencing this book for the first time and you're just bringing your like soft, tender little heart to book club and <laughs> putting it on the ground and every, telling everyone to kick it like a football. Mm. You know, it's, and it's tough. Like we all, we, I, I totally understand when we, when you love a book, it feels like it's become a part of your body and seeing mm. people say that it's terrible because you bring so much uh, of yourself to a book makes it feel like they're saying you are terrible and your taste in books is bad or your taste in movies and whatever it is. So Luke, if you can avoid it in the future, and it sounds like after this experience, Luke probably would be doing this anyway, but I I would just not, I would protect your heart a little bit and pick mm. a new book. You know, it's always just going to be, it's hard not to be sensitive about the stuff that you love. Sure, sure. Um, so just pick a fresh book in the future. But again, I feel like if Luke is having a hard time with this, which I totally understand, uh, he probably is already going to do that. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard not yeah. to feel sensitive about it. Like even books that I am not like aren't aren't my favorite books like me Jeremy and I my boyfriend recommend books to each other constantly and sometimes he will read a book that I really liked and did not like it at all and I'm like what (laughs) why what's wrong with you (laughs) like but it's just it's just how it is you know it's really hard and even if someone likes also likes the book they're not going to like it in the same way as you and might have different might have criticisms of the book that that make you feel weird and sensitive it's just it's hard but luke you are not overreacting i think you're you're doing your best and hopefully this advice helps you a little bit out 
in your book club and you don't have to flush all these people down the toilet. Uh, I bet you want everybody in that book club. There's a book that they yeah. absolutely fucking love. And Luke does not like it all. Yeah. That's just how, you, that's yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. And you've probably talked about it in the book club. There's ones that they've probably. And they're thinking, get, Oh, what a terrible book. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I get it. That's, but that's the nature of being a reader. And hopefully, hopefully this helps you out a little bit, Luke. So if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to reading glasses podcast at gmail.com as always want to thank the wonderful mods who run our Facebook group. And remember, Folks, it's fall. If you want a cool, cute sweatshirt to wear while you're picking apples in an orchard, go over to our Void merch store. There's so many cute sweatshirts with library stuff on them, reading glasses stuff, reading stuff on there. If you want to look cute and bookish in an apple orchard, which is really what we all want to do this time of, of year. Of course, yes. Head on over. and There's a link in the show notes. And if you like the show and you want to do something nice for us that costs you absolutely no money and only 30 seconds of your time, open up the mobile app for the podcast listening app of your choice and please leave us a five-star uh, rating and review. It is fantastic for us and helps us get more listeners. You can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for reading. Thanks for reading. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.